Uh, yeah, I have been on the executive for 30 years. This is now nearly 31. So it just shows how stupid you can be, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, these bushfires around the country right now, thank you for helping because we're raising money to help people all over the place. We've still got the drought going on in New South Wales. It rained this week for some places at Henry for five years. We've got churches up there where people have had to leave because they can't get work. Businesses have closed down. Farmers are not making any money, so they don't bring it into town and spend it in the businesses. And so the businesses are, got, are laying off their people and going broke, and then those people don't come to church because they move back into the city where they can get a job. And so the, the people are not coming to church, and the offerings are not coming to church, and some churches are having to shut their doors. And uh, I don't know how long it will take to rebuild the church like that because it took generations to build that church. And those people that moved to the city and got a job, they may never come back again. And now we have the fires going through. And we've had countless numbers of our people who've lost their homes to the fires. And we've had some tremendous miracles with the whole thing. And I don't, know, I don't understand why one person here can have a miracle and another person who believes just the same, their house burns down. I don't know, except that Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And the fires burn good people's homes and bad people's homes. And I just think we just need to learn something in our walk of faith here and just trust God and, and believe. But we do live in a, in a fragile Australian environment, don't we? And so we just need to just believe God that God's going to supply for those people. And we want to stand with them at this time. And so we have tremendous needs around this nation. And thank God for a church like you are going to help people. You know, it's really amazing that you've got a heart to do that. So listen, I don't want to talk too much more. I look after missions for our fellowship. And I also want to thank you for your missions support. It's outstanding. Thank you. You support the class and others. And that's fantastic work. Some of you have been to the River Center. Give me a wave if you've been to the River Center. Isn't it awesome? Isn't it fantastic? It's brilliant. When you think that that river center used to be a place for prostitutes, that is outstanding. We took it over. In the early days, you're interesting. I don't know if you've heard the early day story, have you? When they took it over, they, they, they leased the property. The, the prostitutes used to still work in the bar, which was on the, on the site, because they leased the building, you see. And they wanted the swimming pool and they wanted the facilities so that they could use it for outreach in the community. But they didn't have the whole property, so the bar was still operating with the prostitutes, which is fantastic, isn't it? Because what our people used to do, they used to go to the bar and sit with the prostitutes. And then they used to start sharing with the prostitutes and witnessing to them, and the prostitutes would come back to the center, and then, you know, we'd, we'd lead them to the Lord. So it was only like less than six months, and the bar closed down and moved somewhere else. They couldn't keep their prostitutes you know, so it really is outstanding. And uh, they do a fabulous job there. So thank you for supporting them. Now, now, let me get to the word this morning, okay? So I've got nothing to talk to you about today. All right? So um, I'm actually going to talk about nothing for a while. And I've got a lot to say about nothing, which I usually do. And that's what people say. You talked a lot, but you didn't say much. So, but I want to talk about nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because the Bible begins this way. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Nothing, absolutely nothing, empty. And it says darkness moved over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That, that word empty is void, a complete emptiness. Isn't it astounding when you think about nothing? 
Because we talk about this, this creation of God, which, he, it, which we look at every night when the stars come out and the moon in the sky and all the rest of it. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of nothing between everything. You've got one little star here and an awful lot of nothing before you get to the next one over there, right? And you've got a moon, and as the Bible says, it hangs in nothing. Which it does, doesn't it? Because that's why you call it space, isn't it? Because it's nothing. It's, it's space. We'll get to the technicalities in a minute, but there's nothing there, right? It, essentially, it's space. And the, the fact is that when God created the universe, the first thing he made was nothing. Think about this. Before God created the universe, there was not nothing. Isn't that, doesn't that twist your brain? See? Before he, he actually created the nothing, which now you call a universe. And into that nothing, he created the stuff. But he had to first create nothing. Now, see, we have this problem with nothing, don't we? We think that nothing means that there's nothing. And that nothing is useless. And that nothing is hopeless. Uh, and, and then when there's a nothing, there's, there's no hope. But God took a nothing and created, first he created a nothing, then out of the nothing, he created the universe. Everything that he made, he created out of his nothing. That blows my mind. Nothing is important. Well, yeah. Everything is important, but the nothing is important. Yeah? That, yeah? So, listen to what Job says. Job 26, verse 7. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Wow. That's amazing. The earth goes around the sun. The moon goes around the earth, etc. But really, it's in space. It's in essentially what we would call nothing. Let me talk to you about nothing for a minute. Now, space is not nothing, in a sense. Uh, and nothing is nothing. There's never a nothing where there's nothing. You get it? You get it? Get it. Now, listen, when you talk about space, see, one of, the mo- one of the modern discoveries about space is that there's, it is a thing. Okay? Space can be stretched, it can be shrunk, and it twists and turns. It gets bigger and smaller. Einstein's theories of relativity, for example. They show you that space is flexible. Now, you say it's nothing. It is, but nothing is not nothing. Nothing is something. I told you. The nothing in which God created the universe was first created by God. This nothing is a thing, a thing that God creates that into which he can create the universe. But first he had to create this thing which we think is nothing, which is actually something. Hmm? Whoa, you're getting the idea? No. Hmm? Ah, we're getting there. You're right. You're with me. You're a little bit ahead, but you're with me. Fantastic. Keep thinking. So let's just do that. See, we are made of nothing. 
Because, of course, you know from basic high school physics, you're made of atoms. Those atoms, minute particles of energy, but between them is nothing. And in those atoms, you know, the quarks and all the rest of it, between them there is nothing. Now let me give you an illustration of this nothingness versus the actual substance of stuff, okay? Because you're sitting on a chair which is primarily made of nothing, and you are primarily made of nothing. If you took the Empire State Building, are you familiar with the Empire State Building? You can picture that building in your mind? Right. Let's extract all the nothing, all the space out of it. How much actual stuff made up of all those little atom things do you have left? I'll tell you. It is the size you're not going to believe me, are you? You're going to say it's nuts. You need to go and check this out. It is the size of a grain of rice. Wow. So you see, I want you to get the exciting part about this. God creates this nothing thing. Right? And then out of that nothing thing, he creates everything, including you, including me, including the Empire State Building. And he only needs a little bit of this stuff he creates to shape, form, manipulate the nothing into you and the Empire State Building and Mount Everest and the earth and the moon and everything else. It's all made from this stuff called nothing. Isn't that exciting? Now, we're being very simplistic here, but there are also very scientific explanations to a lot of stuff, and we're not here to do that. So if any of you are physics majors or, you know, science teachers or anything, forgive me for being a bit oversimplistic, but you know I'm right. There's basically nothing, all right? So let me think about this. God created this nothingness, and then we think, don't we, that if you've got nothing, that you've got nothing. But God created a universe out of his nothing. The theologians have a term for this. It's very ancient. goes back a long way. They, they said when God created, he created ex nihilo. That's the Latin, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Out of nothing. Wow. Astounding, isn't it? So God doesn't need anything. He can do it out of nothing. Now, you say, well, you know, I mean, how does that apply to me? How many times have you said to God, I got nothing? How many times have you said to God, I am nothing? How many times have you said, I prayed and nothing Whoa, nothing happened. Exciting, yeah? No, nothing happened. How many times have you said, I just can't see a solution. It's like there's nothing there. Oh, do you see what's going on here? This is the God of nothing. Yeah? 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, your servant has nothing. And he got excited. He says, you know what? 
If you've got nothing except a little jar of oil and you've got nothing, that's where a miracle can happen because you've got the makings of a miracle. It's called nothing. Nothing. Wow. You see, we think we need something. I need something. God, I need something. I need something. No, actually, nothing is all you need. Isn't that right? You think you have to bring something, don't you? He doesn't want you to bring anything. He wants you to bring nothing. Come on. God doesn't need you to bring anything to the party. Matter of fact, if you do, he's not pleased. Because then you'll say, look, it happened because I brought something. And God says, no, it doesn't happen because of what you do. It happens because of what I do. It's not about what you can offer. It's about who I am and what I can do. Isn't that the story of Gideon? So having nothing is having the best thing possible, isn't it? (laughs) I know, I know. The early Greek philosophers used to say, from nothing, nothing comes. Because they believed there always should be something there, okay? And and so they believed that there's got to be something before you can have something. That's a problem when you come to the universe because we know there was nothing. It's a problem for modern science because they say that there was nothing and then there was a big bang. And they, Now, you try and get them to explain that and they'll just say, well, it just happened. That's the way it is. But we know that a God can create something out of nothing. We know that. We know that. In Shakespeare, King Lear said to his daughter, he said, from nothing will come nothing. Now, if you know the play, you have to go right through to the end. Till old King Lear says, I will say nothing, which is where the play started when the daughter said nothing. So in the end, I'm losing you, aren't I? In the end, Shakespeare learns everything comes from nothing. This is an idea that's been troubling human minds, I'm trying to tell you, for centuries. That how come stuff can come from nothing? That God created out of nothing is a puzzle to the human mind. But God uses nothing. It's the material he uses the most. Yeah? So if you're going to encounter the supernatural, you should expect to encounter first the nothing upon which the supernatural works. Yeah? So it shouldn't be disturbing to us. We shouldn't feel somehow betrayed or or, or a failure or inadequate when we encounter nothing. Because it's there at that point of your understanding and realization and experience of nothing. It is there that creation begins for you. Yeah? Do you have nothing? Then you've got what you need for a miracle. Because God doesn't need anything to create out of. From nothing, everything comes. Yeah? The disciples said to him, Lord, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Empty nets, empty boat, Jesus says, Ripper, that's just what I was looking for. Nothing. Yeah? And when he finished, the empty boat and empty nets, the nothing was filled so full that the boat was going to sink. Where'd it come from? Out of nothing. Out of nothing. Now, if the disciples had said to him, Jesus, we've, we've fished all night and we've got half a boat of fish, 
And he says, okay, I'll top it up. I mean, okay, it's a miracle, but you know what I mean. It's not brilliant, is it? But when they said the boat's empty, and he filled it with fish out of nothing, that's astounding. See, perhaps you have toiled all night. Perhaps you've worked your guts out. You've done your darndest. You've done everything possible. And you come to God and says, where are you? What are you doing? You know, I've been working hard at this. I've been trying my best at this. I've been working and doing everything I knew possible. And, and nothing's happening. I've got nothing to show for what I'm doing. Where are you? He said, just waiting for you to stop working so hard. <laughs> so now you've got nothing? Sit down. Take a break. Let me do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Sometimes our striving and our working and our pushing and shoving and demanding and screaming and shouting and sweating doesn't really produce much sometimes. You know what? When you've done all and you've done nothing, bring it to God. Stop telling him off. So we get ticked off with God because he won't do as he's told. So I'm working hard here. What are you doing? He said, I'm just waiting for you to stop working hard. But see, we have this culture, this idea that somehow we have to be the ones doing it. And then we go to God with an insult and we say to God, Lord, I just pray for you to bless what I'm going to do today. Well, why would he do that? That's got you, isn't it? Because we are just automatically assume that all we have to do is say, I'm going to do it, Right? All I need for you to bless it. I'll do it. I'll take care of everything. You just go, bless in the name of Jesus, bless. And I'm going to do it all. Hmm? You had just insulted him. You said, you're not capable of doing anything, God, so I'm going to do all the hard work. You just do the easy work and sort of bless the thing and make it, make it work. I'll do it. You make it profitable. I'll do it. You make it fruitful. I'll do it. You make it multiply. I'll do it. You make it work. You insulted him. What he wants you to do is bring it to him first. You do it, God. You show me what I must do in partnership with you. God is not in partnership with you. You are the servant of God. Don't get this, because he does not bless the works of the flesh. Yeah? For you are saved by grace and not by works. Hmm? It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Because so it happens so often. We come and we go enter an endeavor and we say, God, I'm going to do this and ask you to bless it. Then we do it and it is blessed, but we don't thank him for it. Oh, no, we don't thank him for it. We say, oh, wasn't I clever? Wasn't I good? Wasn't I special? Pastor, I worked hard and made this business a success. I worked hard, Pastor, and I made, oh yeah, I studied and I got this degree because I worked hard and I've done this and I worked hard and I got that house because of what I did and I got that car because of what I did and I've got this because of what I did because I am so flipping good. And you forgot the one you asked to bless. You don't give him glory. You don't say that house is given to me by God. You say, I worked hard for that. What are you doing? What are you doing? On one side of your mouth, 
bless me. The other side of your mouth, I did it all myself. God just did a little blessing thing on it. I don't know how it works. But when it all falls apart, when you lose the house, you blame God. Well, it's your house and you got it. And it's your house and you lost it. We come to God blame him for Why did you do that to me for God? Why did you take away my job? Why did you take away my house? Why did you take away my family? Why did you take it all away? Because you said you did it, so go do it again. If you said you did it, then keep it. I'm being too strong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we just got to get our head around this thing. You know what I mean? Where do we stand with God here? We don't crack the whip. Hmm? We come before anything and seek to know the will of God and seek to follow his will and his word and then appreciate what happens that the blessing has come from God, not because of what we did. Okay. So I won't be coming back for another three years now. Do you know what Jesus told his disciples before they went out into itinerant? Listen, he said, he said, take nothing for the journey. I can pack nothing. Can you pack nothing? I can't pack suitcase very well, but I can pack nothing. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt, one translation says. Just go with nothing. Why? Because out of nothing, God creates everything. But that's where our reluctance is, isn't it? To go with nothing. We want to go with something. We always want to go with something. I've got to have something. Faith is stepping into that nothing with nothing, isn't it? But we're so materialistic. We live in this material world. It's hard to get our heads and our hearts around the idea of nothing. Yeah? My clock's gone. It just says zero, 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 zero. Does that mean I'm out of time? Nothing. It means nothing. Brilliant. Okay. I like that. Okay. But you see what I'm saying? Paul tells us, that, uh, describing himself, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Do you know that when you have nothing, you possess Because we think when we have nothing, we possess nothing. Having nothing is not possessing nothing. Having the nothing is possessing what you need to give you the everything. Isn't that right? Come on, think about this. You know, it's not an Eastern philosophy. Um, it's, It's, you've got to know that you possess everything, not because of what you possess, but because of what he has. So when you look at and you say, I've got nothing, well, yeah, but you've now got everything because you've got Jesus. Isn't that right? Jesus. It's so far. I just, I just can't get over it. Just the woman at the well, when, when the woman was at the well, remember, and Jesus came to talk to her, she asked him this question. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. How can you get this living water? He says, she says, you can't do anything because you've got nothing. Here she is talking to the creator of the universe and telling him, you have nothing so you can't do anything. 
What a silly woman. She didn't understand that having nothing doesn't mean that you don't possess anything. Isn't that right? That he could draw water out of that well without a bucket. Isn't that right? Because that's what he does. And that's what he'll do for you when you have nothing. Do you know what Job said about you and about himself? It's not complimentary because he also said it about me. I am nothing but skin and bones. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus agreed with him when he says, The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Yeah? Remember he said, without me you can do nothing. Hallelujah. You know, you're really good at doing nothing. Isn't that right? But the point is he didn't expect you to do anything. Without me you can do nothing means that you don't need to do anything because I'm going to do it for you. Because whatever you do is nothing. Your doing is nothing. Isn't that? Oh, I just get blown away about this. I just just think, you know, it's okay to do nothing. Isn't that right? It's okay to be nothing. It's okay to have nothing. It's okay to have tried and failed and achieved nothing. Because we can put our trust in God. Now, I'm not telling you you have to be a bunch of losers. Of course I'm not. But let's get over this nothing business as if it's somehow a stigma. That somehow we have to be the ones that are always doing and achieving and proving and showing and matching up and comparing ourselves at who's done the most. Listen, God uses people who are nothing, who have nothing to do great things. Isn't it right? It says of Jesus, he made himself in Philippians 2.7, nothing. Nothing. I don't know about you, but this emptiness, this space, this nothingness really helps me a great deal. Because I know that really, basically, that when I'm putting my trust in God, I can't do it, but he will do it. I don't have it, but he will supply it. See, Paul says this, and it's a challenge for all of us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing. How can you know nothing? That's a bit difficult, isn't it? If you knew nothing, you wouldn't find your way to church, would you? I mean, but he's not talking about that nothing. He's talking about the nothing we're talking about. Yeah? Yeah? He says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. In other words, he says, we don't need those other things. So I'm going to know the nothing of nothing but Jesus. Wow. What if you went to work tomorrow with the idea of nothing but Jesus? That's a challenge. What if you went to work instead of thinking, right, and says, I'm just going with nothing but Jesus, and I'll follow the leading of God today. I'm going to get on with my job, but I'm going to trust God for blessing. And I'm going to follow his leading today. Uh, I think what an adventure that would be. Amen. We need only know him. All right, I better get on with it. I'm nearly nearly at the end of my rope. Uh, Time. Okay. In Acts chapter 9, listen to what it says. And Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see 
That's it. He could see nothing. Doesn't that scare you? You see nothing. Oh, I can't see anything. Pastor, I can't see anything. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I just can't see. I just can't see what God is doing. I don't see anything. You know, I can't see what's going on here. I, I see nothing. I see absolutely nothing. You know, and some people have this spiritual blindness. They see nothing. But listen to what Hebrews 11 says. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Here's your problem, and mine too. We tend to look at what we can see and assume that out of the things we see, God is going to do something. That's not true. God doesn't need what you can see in order to provide for you and do a miracle because he's going to do it out of what you can't see. Because there are things you can see and there are things you can't see. But he can produce a miracle about the things which you, from the things which are not seen by you. And so when we look at things, sometimes we say, this is not enough. We only have a couple of loaves and a few small fish. So we look at it and say, this is not enough. And God says, yeah, right, okay. That's what you see. But I can do something out of what you can't see. Isn't that right? A little pot of oil. It's not enough. This is what I see. But I can do something that you can't see. We've run out of wine. Yeah, put, it, put the water in the pot because I can do something that you can't see. And honestly, sometimes we need to really begin to think that, you know, it's not what you can see that is the limitation. It's not what you can see which is the source or the inadequate source. It's actually your faith in the unseen that's going to bring the result. If you're looking at something and say, it's just not enough, it's just not good enough, it's just not big enough, it just won't work, it's inadequate, then you need to turn your eyes away from what is seen and start looking at what is unseen and you need to open the eye of faith and see what is not seen. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The invisible space, nothingness. Hmm? You remember that time when the prophet said to his servant, who was very panicking because of the armies that were there and surrounding them, and he said, God opened his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw the army of God. See, when he looked at what he could see, he was afraid. But when he saw what was invisible, when he saw what was first nothing, he looked, saw that army, saw nothing else. Then his eyes were opened, and in the nothingness, he saw victory and protection and blessing. Yeah. Do you remember the time when the servant sent, was sent by the prophet to the top of the hill? And he said, look out towards the west and tell me what you see. And he came back and he said, I don't see anything. He says, go again. And so seven times he went to the top of the mountain, seven times to look, six times nothing on the seventh time he came down. He says, I do see something, but it is only a cloud the size of a man's hand. And the prophet said, pack up and run. Pack up and run? He said, yeah, because now you've seen it. The miracle came out of 
nothing. Yeah. So we are sometimes deceived by what we see. And, and you can go home and you can get out a pen and paper and you can work it all out and you can calculate it and you can say, let's have a look at what we've got and let's have a look how much money we've got and let's have a look at what we can do and make a little plan. And you're only looking at the scene. And the scene is minute compared to what's in the nothing. Isn't that right? I remember when I was a young man, I, I did this um, analysis. Uh, I sat down with a piece of blank piece of paper. Someone told me to do it. I drew a line down the middle. And on the left-hand side, I put down all the reasons why I should not go into the ministry and go to Bible college. And I filled it. Turned the page over and filled the other side. That was part. Now, then I went to the other side, which was, why should I go into the ministry? I sweat for a little while and wrote down, because I think it's the will of God. <laughs> well, that was it, wasn't it? It's all over, yeah? See, what I'm saying, there's the seen and the unseen. And, and the unseen has got to be the realm in which we make our decision. So many people have missed their miracle because they did their list. And they couldn't see how it could possibly happen. I, I, no, pastor, I've done the math. It won't work. Well, you know what? The math won't work, but God will. Isn't that right? How many miracles have you seen while you've been in this church where the math doesn't work? Come on, come on. You could keep us here all day telling story after story. Yeah. The math don't work. I remember as a young pastor, um, and they told me if I came to the church, they'd give me somewhere to stay. They didn't. They told me they would pay me a salary, and when I got there, they didn't. Nothing. So I turned up with my bride of about three weeks, and uh, with $12 in the bank, which you come back from my honeymoon with, and uh, I had to get a place to stay with 12 bucks. Try that. So we stayed in a caravan, okay? And uh, I didn't have a job, and I didn't have any food. I mean, who brings food back off their honeymoon? I don't. You know, if you do, you're strange. So um, <clears throat> we're staying in this caravan, and we went down to this agent, and we laid it all out, and he says, well, you can rent this place. So we got a place to rent. It wasn't bad. Uh, basic, but nice little flat. I started renting this place, and, and I had to go get a job and find a job, but I just couldn't find a job, and I'm worrying about how I'm going to pay the rent next week. And Anyway, the long and short of it was we'd go to the letterbox, check if any mail from home, and there'd be an envelope in it with money, which was enough to pay the rent. And we'd go down the street to the post office, you know, because we've got a card that says there's something in the box for you, and we'd go down there, and we'd pull it out, and there's some more check, pay the groceries. And, you know, for months and months, we lived on what was turning up in the mailbox or sometimes even on the doorstep. You'd go back, and there's bags of stuff from Woolies and Coles and Nobody knew. We didn't tell anybody, right? So we weren't advertising this. And, but, but we had nothing. But in the nothing, we were supplied by God. Okay? I have learned early in my life that when you have nothing, you don't have nothing. That God is in the nothing. It's the place of the miracle. And I want to say to you, look, just about everybody in this room can point a finger and say, that's my place of nothing. That's a place where I've done the math and it isn't going to work. I fall short. That's the place where 
I realize I am inadequate and I don't have an answer. I have nothing to say. I don't know what to do. I have nothing to do. I am a nothing. I am a zero. I've been told that all my life by my parents, by my teachers, by everybody. There's nothing, nothing in me. I am a nothing. I am a nobody. Yeah, there's nothing all around you. Nothing in your bank account. Nothing after prayer. Nothing left after this is finished. I've been left with nothing. But that's the place where God does the miracle. Don't despair. Don't quit. Don't get angry with God because you've got nothing. It's your place. Huh? It's that place where God says, wow, I work best in nothing. Yeah. And I just want you to say to God, God, don't tell him what you want for goodness sake because you don't really know what you should have. You only know what you want. Isn't that right? When, when Mary told those guys filling up the water pots, she just said to them, do what he tells you to do. Don't start telling Jesus. But we do. What I need tomorrow, God, is I need this. I need that. I need to do this. And I need you to do that. He's not your apprentice. Okay? You just come to God and say, this problem I bring to you. This situation I bring to you. I give you my nothingness as the arena in which you perform miracles. And whatever that nothingness is, bring it to Him right now. And when nothing happens out of nothing, remember something happened just because you can't see it. Just because you didn't hear it. Just because you didn't feel it. All of those nothings don't matter. God is at work. Amen. God has made you a promise. He has begun a good work in you. And he'll finish a good work in you. Let him do his job in your nothing. Amen. In your nothingness, God works. Amen. I want you just to bow your heads with me for a moment. I want you just to think about that area in your life, which is an area of nothing. That thought you've had about nothing, that feeling about nothing, that experience about nothing. I want you to know that God is in that place. God is in that seeming vacuum, that place of nothing. Even though you can't see He's there right now. I want you to just let God do a miracle for you there. Just believe right now. Say, God, I'm believing for a miracle in the midst of my nothing. I'm believing for you out of nothing to create the something that you have for me. Just believe for it right now. In nothing, God is creating. Out of nothing, God is bringing to birth great things in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. If you're doing that right now, you're believing for something out of your nothing from a God of creation. Lift your hand right now with me. Say, that's me. That's me, God. I'm praying. I'm believing for you to create something from my nothing. 
I'm believing for you to do a miracle in the area of my nothing. That's me, God. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for people raising their hands all over this place right now. We know that you're going to touch them. We know that you're going to enter that space in their life. We know you're going to invade that nothingness, Father, and create in there uh, your mighty purpose and bring out of that place, Father, things that will be surprising to us, mighty things, powerful things. There There is deliverance there, Father. There's breakthrough there. There's victory there. There's healing there. There's provision there. Father, we just thank you for the wisdom that's going to come into that place. We thank you, Father, for the strength that's coming into that place. Right now, Lord, you are filling that place with yourself, with your mighty power, and you will provide, Father. We thank you for that right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All those who believe said, Amen. So I did 44 minutes. Sorry about that. I should have done 40 minutes. So I'll take four minutes off whatever I've got to do later on. Is that right? Thank you for the opportunity to come and share with you today. Uh, I've been a bit uh, very enthusiastic about this because you can see that I really get very excited about this idea of God doing something in nothing. I really, because if God can do something in nothing, I got hope. Isn't that right? Yeah, I've got some hope. I, I, I can believe for God to do something with me because I know I've got nothing. Amen. And when you know that, you know that you don't have to be better than somebody else. You don't have to have more than someone else. You can just bring the nothing. Amen. And God will use the nothing. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, church. God bless you.